Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I noticed that with journeying with God, it's not necessarily that he takes a long time to answer a prayer. It's not even necessarily that it's taking a long time for you to see what the next steps are, the details, what the whatever it is that you think that you're waiting for. I think that rather than it taking a long time to receive a thing, it's actually the opposite. It's taking God a long time to disconnect you from your ideals. The idea of what you thought it was going to be, the idea that you had in your mind, the plan that you were trying to manifest and bring into fruition, all these other different things and nuances that God has to go layer by layer by layer within you to get you to disconnect to it so that he can get you on the path that he has for you. I truly think that the most work is the inner work that nobody really discusses. Like you don't understand that it is easy for God to do anything in any time frame that God wants to do because God created the time. It was a construct for us, not a deadline for him. <laughs> and out of everything that he is trying to do, I think that sometimes we negate the fact that he needs to do something different within us first. Why didn't he just snap his fingers, bring the Israelites from 400 years of slavery to being immediate homeowners, real estate investors? Why didn't he just do it at a blink of an eye, at a snap of a finger? Because there were some mindsets that they couldn't bring into the promised land. There were some attributes that they needed to accumulate before getting there. They needed to learn how to fight. They needed to learn how to be gratified. They had a hard time being grateful in some things. Okay, God, you brought manna, but boo, it's not meat. Okay, but where's the water? Okay, they were complainers. There were things inside of them that no matter where God brought them, if they went with that perspective, they will always see Egypt when you've learned how to complain for 400 years it sometimes takes a little bit of God work to get that out of you in a record time it surprises me actually that God didn't go ahead and set a whole nother wilderness to the side just to teach them how not to complain, just to teach them how to communicate because for 400 years their communication style was complaining and when they were trying to express a need, it came out in an outcry. When it came out to say, okay, instead of just saying, I'm hungry, it was, why didn't you lead us out here to die, blah, blah, blah. They did not learn the art of effective communication. You don't have to cry to God all the time. He doesn't just answer your prayers because you cried and you were emotional that one time. Your prayers are not only answered if you get goosebumps. Your prayers are not only answered if it was absolutely out of your control and nothing that you did to cause A, B, and C. God just wanted to to communicate with you. He just wants to commune with you, but sometimes he can't because the way that you're communicating is through complaints.
I can't take no more with this supervisor. God, if one more thing happened and you're almost giving God a demand, you're almost bargaining with God. You're almost giving God a, a expectation of what he ought to do because you can't take no more. And it's really you just saying, Hey, uh, can you give me a little bit of grace, a little bit of perspective, godly perspective, if you will, a little bit of insight on how I need to show up in this season because I'm actually feeling it more than I'm learning from it. And I don't want to fail in this. Yeah, that you know that you can actually communicate with God and be a hundred percent, tell him exactly what you feel, tell him exactly what you're experiencing and be honest with him and also be able to get insight from him. Prayer doesn't require for you to be phony. You don't have to be like, huh, praise the Lord for that one thing that was really, really uncomfortable for me. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm smiling, God, because I trust you. No, you can be 100 and say, I'm not going to hold. This is uncomfortable. I honestly would not have taken this route. I have no idea why we're going this way. But you know what, God, if I know nothing at all is you do not waste experience. So let me go ahead and just sit in this passenger seat, called my life and say, wow, okay, so this is where we're going and then kind of lean over and whisper to him um so what exactly am I supposed to be getting from this because I never want to go through this again you see how that feels different that has a different intent that has a different perspective that has a different posture then why are we going through this God I can't take anymore are you there are you listening I feel like you forsaken me and you doing all this and he's looking at you like you're done because no matter how emotional you get, it doesn't put me in a different motion. <laughs> Your emotion doesn't put me in a different mindset. I already said what I said. I'm already doing what I'm doing. Now, if you said to me, oh, God, this is a little bit for me to, uh, I feel like this is getting a little bit heavy, then why don't you say, can you strengthen me through the Holy Spirit? I need a spiritual spotter because I actually feel like I'm getting ready to buckle at the knees with this. Yeah, God, if this is counting on me to lift, I don't want to fail. So I'm, I'm going to need some backup. Yeah, you can communicate in a way that's real. That's real. But let's take out the emotion. You can express bigger thing. Do you know that you can express the emotion without feeling it? That sounds oxymoronic, doesn't it? Yeah, you can actually say to the person that you're with, that's irritating me. And I would love if we can go through another whatever without feeling that I would love if we didn't continue to go around this mountain. You know what I can actually say, and I'm going to be real with you, and I'm not even trying to hurt your feelings, but that is irritating to me. So please stop. Can we not do that? Can we? You know that you can have that conversation in your marriage and your relationships? Opposed to getting the attitude, feeling the emotion, having just slamming whatever the outwardly thing is that you do when you're irritated. And then for someone to ask like, what's wrong with you? You're irritating me. And then, and now your voice is projected. Now you're at an octave that is not even festering anything outside of negativity. And then you're wondering why you can't communicate when you're mad because you're not communicating your words. You are communicating your feelings. You are showcasing your feelings when the objective is to acknowledge the feeling and express what actually makes you feel that way. 
Yeah. Um, it's almost like someone coming over if you're in a restaurant and the waiter or whoever checks up on you. Sometimes it's the people who own the establishment come over to you and say, how are you enjoying your meal? In that particular analogy, you expressing your feelings would look like you going bleh spitting it on <laughs> whatever you chewing on you spit it on the table you take a napkin and you ball up whatever it is and you throw it on the floor and you push your plate around and you just um, and you're expecting them to kind of piece together what it is that's the problem by your expression of your emotion so they should put together okay you you're not enjoying your meal. I think I got that part. But you know what you negated to do? You negated to tell them what they could have done to make the meal better. What exactly is occurring in your experience with the meal that you don't like? Is it too salty? Should that have been a little bit more tender? Is it lacking flavor? What about you? But you stole the moment to actually make this meal better for the next time because you chose to be in your feelings this time. Play that analogy again. Someone comes over to you, hey, are you enjoying your meal? Yes, but not really. And let me tell you why. The spinach is a little bit too creamy for me. I don't like all this other extra that's on there. It's a lot going on. The protein on this particular plate, I feel like it could have been a little bit more fill in the blank. And then also, I'm not really, I don't have the words for it. All I can say is that this particular side item is just not it. Um, the drink is great, but it's a little bit, it's about two scoops too sweet for me. But all in all, it's okay and I'm enjoying the ambiance because of who I'm with. I'm just not enjoying this particular meal. Now you give the waiter something to work with. Oh, no problem. Do you want to substitute it for that? Would you like me to take that? And now you have all these options that you can choose from. Why? Because you were able to effectively communicate your emotion. The truth is you're not enjoying the spinach. You're not enjoying the protein of choice. The side item is just not siding like it should be iteming. You see what I'm saying? And so now that you're expressing that with your words effectively, now you have some options on how we can make this better going forward. Oh, if we just did that in relationships, if we just did that at our jobs, instead of you rolling your eyes or not showing up, or I ain't doing that. Why don't you just at least give it a chance and say, hey, I feel like this should be way simpler. I feel like I can no longer function on this level of tenacity. We cannot function at this pace every single day. I'm going to take five mental health days. I'm going to make a week of vacation time. I'm going to tell you now, it's something about coming in here and knowing that as soon as I open up the computer, I'm going to be boggled down by emails upon emails, by phone calls, by phone calls. So I'm feeling it. So today, can I roll over all my phone calls to voicemail today so that I can at least just see if I can focus on whatever is in front of me today? Would I be able to do? And then you effectively 
communicate and even pitch some ideas that you think if I could just eliminate one of these anchors, I feel like the boat will finally get somewhere. Oh, if we could just learn how to effectively communicate. Oh, if we can just learn how to go ahead and just say what we're feeling without demonstrating what our emotions are in that particular situation. How much further we would be in our relationships, how much further we would be in whatever our particular goal is, how much further we would be with walking with God in an authentically mature way. What does maturity look like? That you're not stopping at every discomfort, that you're not stopping and still asking him questions. Like, God, is that you? Every 15 seconds is is the new swapping for are we there yet? That you're not actually saying I trust you, but you keep looking over at like, well, well, why why you made that left? But how you made that right? That you literally have taken a seat and a posture of reclining because you actually trust him. You trust him. I trust that when you drive, I'm going to be safe, so I'm going to get my good sleep. I trust that when you drive, you know where you're going, so I'm not going to keep setting my alarm to wake up to make sure that I can kind of identify my surroundings. I'm not going to keep trying to figure out where you're going because you promised it would be something dope. So I'm going to sit in this seat with a posture of rest and relaxation, and if I fall asleep, then that's cool. But when I wake back up, I already know that you're going to be teaching me in your presence. I understand that you are shifting things in me in your presence. I understand that the biggest lesson of all is is how I show up where God is present. And I noticed that in this process of me walking with God in a different way, with me sharpening my faith in a different way, with me seeing God different. I mean, even the conversation that we had where I finally understood that he is the God that leads feeds and covers. I was like, Ooh, when I understood that, wow, there are some things happening for me because he's shifting some things in me. I finally understood what it is that God is trying to do. And it's, he wants you to lay down at the altar, all the things that you had for your life, all the big ideas, all the big plans, all the things he wants you to leave it at the altar. And when you leave it, pick up the plan that he has for your life. I noticed that God allowed me to continue to search for jobs, continue to go ahead and go to school, continue to go ahead and budget the money, continue. He allowed me to continue to work in my vein until I realized that my plan was not working. That no matter what job I got, I was not satisfied. That no matter how much I budgeted the way that I thought it should be budgeted, I did not feel peaceful. No matter what I did, my plan was not working for me. I was just working a plan. And those are two different things, although they sound alike. You working a plan is just you going to a job Monday through Friday. And then you take your days off that you don't work and you use your PTO time and you blah, blah, blah. That is that that's you working at plan. 
when God has a plan, there's a purpose in why you do everything. There's a, a divine connection that he wants you to meet someone. So they're going to be used to get you to the next step of your life. Literally every interaction is an unveiling and a revelation of what he's trying to do for you, what he's trying to do through you. There are some things he wants you to discover about yourself that you will never, ever understand until you have a peace about it, until you have a quietness about it, until you stop being so focused on your plan that you start being focused on him so that he can reveal yourself to yourself. There are some things about you that you haven't even like wrapped your mind around. You had no idea that you have an un, unhidden talent that you are not even aware of because you've been so busy working a plan. You have some creative skills that you haven't even unveiled yet because you've been working a plan. And what you don't understand is that when you work a plan, it looks very much like stagnation. It looks consistent, but it looks stagnant. When you work a plan, it just looks like, oh, okay, keep doing that for 30 years and then maybe you'll retire and then maybe you'll go ahead and get... It's boring. It lacks appeal. There is no thriller about it. Where's the suspense? Where's the things that makes a movie called life actually watchable to the point that other people are inspired by your story? Where is it? The meal is bland. <laughs> and you call it life. The meal is, eh, it's okay. You might as well just get a frozen food tray and put it in the microwave and say, Allah, di uh, not even dinner, Thanksgiving. It's like, okay, it's not giving thanks though. Like this is giving very much still cold in the middle. <laughs> it's lacking nutrients. That's why you feel sluggish. That's why you don't feel inspired. That's why you're not feeling hopeful about your future the way that Jeremiah 29 11 says. There's a lot of things that's missing because you are working the plan. And what is the plan exactly? I'm going to break generational curses. How are you going to do that? Do you even know how to do that? Oh, make a lot of money and then do what? Like, no, you don't even know the steps. Like, you got to ask God for that. You don't even know who's going to be a part of your generation. You just know the generation that you came from. It is bigger than, than just making money. It's about going ahead and defeating some things the way that God wants you to defeat them so that it's never in your bloodline again. Like, yo, when God looked at David and was like, listen, the Messiah is going to come from your bloodline, from your generation, that was a big deal. But he had to do something way different. He had to, it was like, oh, how? How do you uh, go ahead and produce a Messiah out of your bloodline? He don't know. <laughs> and just like David couldn't have coordinated that, just like David couldn't have planned that, like, okay, there's a Mary in my bloodline somewhere, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and... No, no, he don't know how to plot point that. And just like he didn't know how to do that, there are some things about your future you can't plot point. And what I notice about that truth is that you're going to have to start learning to kiss goodbye, whatever your brilliant big idea was. Because I'm going to tell you something, your biggest idea doesn't even touch the intro to what God has for your life. Literally. I have literally within the last couple of weeks been looking at my life like, yo, I didn't even know that I liked to do this creative space. I didn't even know that 
corporate was safe for me and that what I really want to do is some freelancing work so that it can free me to do some encouraging things and do something with the oil that God gave me of encouragement and leadership and the fact that I, I know how to, through the Holy Spirit, heal people from their pain and give purpose to their pain and show them the path to get out of the pit, to go to the palace. There are some things about me that I did not know that was in me to be used for the kingdom boldly that I'm not scared anymore. I ain't never scared is what the theme song is for my soul. And there are some things that needs to come out of me, but I didn't realize I needed to come out of some things to actually see that. There is something about being called by God that you're going to have to kiss some of the things that you were connected to goodbye. You're going to have to disconnect for some people and some things, both good and indifferent, both bad and indifferent. There are some things that you're going to have to unplug from to walk in your purpose. And when I was thinking about that closely, I thought about Elisha. I said, if there's anybody that can show us how to disconnect from their plan in order to walk in God's purpose, it is Elisha. So we're going to read from 1 Kings 19. You know, I read from the NLT version, but let me give you a little bit of backdrop because I wouldn't be a good grandbaby if I did not. So Elijah, which we're going to talk about in another conversation, because when I tell you that grandbaby raises my pressure, Cause he just, I just, I can't. So for the purpose of this text, we're going to call him EJ because God didn't even change the names. It was like, bro, these are, are they twins? Because this is, this is giving very close. This is giving very, it's a letter away, sir. Like, I, I don't want to mix up the grandbabies. I don't want to be a grandbaby that's mixed up. So for the purpose of the text and the reading thereof, okay, Elijah will be EJ. But the one that's going to get the shine is Elisha. Okay. All right. So backdrop. Elijah was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. God tried to talk him out of it. Even God couldn't talk him out of it. And so God was like, I'm, I'm over it, sir. So because I can't get you out of the, the trap of your mind, the trap of your emotion, the trap of the future that you created for yourself, then I have to at least get you to just uh, anoint somebody else that's going to do it the way that I want it to be done. That's pretty much the backdrop, right? So I'm going to read from 15. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. 16. Then anoint Jeru grandson of Nimshi to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from the town of Abel Maloah to replace you as my prophet. And then let's go down to 19. So EJ went and found Elisha son of Shaphat plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. EJ went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. 20. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after EJ, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my mother and my, my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. EJ replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. 
21. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with EJ as his assistant. What did the good bishop say? Y'all didn't hear me. We need to read that again. God told him to go ahead and anoint Elisha in verse 16. Verse 19, so EJ went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. EJ went over to him and threw his cloak, which is like a coat, across his shoulders and then walked away. 20, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after EJ and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will go with you. Elisha, EJ replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elisha, EJ, as his assistant. Couple of things there. Number one, be careful that people try to trap you into the trap that they've been living in. The fact that EJ told him, go on back. But think about what I have done to you. No, sir, I don't want you telling me to think about anything because it looks like a couple of verses up when I was reading in 1 Kings 19 that Jezebel says something to you, sir, and it had you thinking about it so much that it put you in a cave, literally, emotionally, and physically to the point that God couldn't even talk you out of the cave. He had to ask you twice, what are you doing here, Elijah? And even God speaking to you could not get you out of the cave because you were thinking about for 40 days plus what Jezebel has said. So the last thing I need you telling me is for me to think about what God is getting ready to do through me. No, sir, I'm not thinking about anything. And I love that the Bible doesn't even document that Elisha went back to ponder. There is no time to ponder when God gave you the power. There is no time to think about the next steps when God is calling you out of the boat. There is no time to think about, oh, okay, what happens to my mother? What happens to my father? You do what Elisha did. You kiss them goodbye. There is power in that. I love that. That's the first thing that I saw. Second revelation that I got is that there was no hesitation in Elisha. Buddy had to actually demote himself to go follow EJ in the first place as his assistant. How do I know? Because Buddy had a booming business. The Bible lets us know off back, bro, he had 12 teams of oxen in the field. Oh, so you was... Oh, you was uh, oxening, oxening. Like, yeah, he was big. He was big money. E. He was getting a bag, literally. Okay. He was out in the field. He had a number of people with him. He had, he had workers. He had a whole business construct. Oh, okay. And then when EJ came across and threw something on his shoulders real quick to let him know the Lord anointed you with no words, I'm going to go ahead and just do the symbolic thing so that you can get the spiritual transfer. Hmm. There's a word in that. He was like, oh. Okay, so hold on. Verse 21 says, so Elisha returned to his oxen. That's how we know it was his business and slaughtered them. 
Because you can't slaughter somebody else's oxen, sir. You will be in the jail. Okay. Okay. That will be you, sir. Repeat that. Okay, great. And he used the wood from the plow. Hmm. From the plow to build a fire to roast a flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went to Eli EJ as his assistant. So buddy said, here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm not even going to figure out how to transfer over the LLC to somebody else's name. I'm not even going to try to figure out, okay, how to do this. As a matter of fact, I don't even read where he went back to actually do what he said he was going to do. Kiss his father and mother goodbye. I think at that point he realized I have to let the people know who I originally thought I was going to help them out. They're in old age. I was going to retire my parents. Then I'm going to go ahead and pass down this particular, you know, business that I've built from the ground up to my children that I don't have yet. And then I was going, I'm sure he had a whole construct in his mind on what it was going to look like up until the point that God was like, and now I need you in a different way. Your plan served its purpose when those were your variables. When your variables change, I need you to change with God as well. It is important for you to understand that you need to ebb and flow with God. And when you don't ebb and flow with God, guess what happens? Moses, I can't use you no more. We got to call Joshua. EJ, I can't use you no more. I need you to go anoint Elisha. When you do not know how to ebb and flow with God because you have a bright idea, because you had a plan that you were working, because you are the centerpiece of whatever it is that you want, then God has to actually look at you and go dang I needed to use you but you're showing me that your plan is more important than mine and so I'll let you keep your plan to the point that you're dying your plan but I got to use somebody else because my plan will live on that's a mouthful and it got to the point that I realized he just literally gave us the blueprint on what you're supposed to do when God is like all right I'm updating the plan I'm updating the plan. It was cool. And I know you probably thinking, well, God, why you let him get to 12 oxen? Like why you didn't call him when it was like one oxen or maybe like three, you know, three teams of it. It would have been, you know, it's a little bit easier to let go when it's small. It's a little bit easier to let go when it's not a lot of employees. Is it a little bit easier to let go? And it's like, no, because God lets nothing go to waste. Guess what? Them 12 teams of oxen, guess what it did? It actually fed everybody in the town how do I know because it says he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate so your efforts did not go in vain you did not build that business for no reason no people are actually eating off of the fruit of your labor and it's cool because guess what if you can show that this is what you're willing to do if you can show like I saw in um Mike Todd had this beautiful sermon where he actually phrases as Elisha eliminated his plan B. He gave himself nothing else to go back to. So if you can show God, listen, I'm going full throttle in the plan that you have. If you said that I'm getting ready to be anointed, I'm getting ready to be demoted where it would look like in the earth, like I'm being demoted to be somebody's assistant. You're going to leave your business to go ahead and be somebody's assistant. That's what the world will probably see. But what I see is you telling me to leave this little bit of plan so I can have this big anointing. You telling me to leave this little bit of 12 portion so I can have a double portion 
expression of what EJ has. Like, though they don't even know, God. I know what you're doing. I can feel it. And I don't even need to explain it to anybody. I just need to go back to my father and my mother, kiss them goodbye, go ahead and kill this plan B with this oxen, feed it to the people, and then be about my business. There's no worries. I'm not explaining to y'all like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not leaving you. It's just that, you know, EJ came and he put his cloak on me. So, you know, that's symbolic spiritually for I need to go with him because he's a prophet. I'm not explaining none of that. I'm just letting y'all know, you know what? None of this is going to go to waste. Let me go ahead and feed you before I leave. Let me eliminate this plan B. Let me kiss the people that mean something to me and I'm going to be on my way. Don't look for me, Argentina, because I'm going to be walking in the footsteps of what the Lord told me to do. Do you understand that? There is power in that. He literally showed us whoever is going to be holding you back, kiss them goodbye. Whatever is going to be holding you back, slaughter it. Whatever you look at as, oh, what if this doesn't work? Or if somebody can actually tell you, hey, listen, um, go back and think about what God is getting ready to do. I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to eliminate anything that holds me back from walking full throttle with a full heart, with a full posture, with a God, you got my ear kind of posture. If it eliminates me or distracts me in any kind of way, then I have to slaughter it. And if it can't be slaughtered, then I need to kiss it goodbye. Period. When I read this, I was like, God, you be talking through your word. And he was like, and don't I though? I said, sir, I, I'm yes. <laughs> like ab- absolutely, sir. And that's how I talked to God. I had to look up. Absolutely. You understand? Because sometimes we get so caught up in, but I've been going, I went to school for that long, but I took a test to actually after my post hours, but I've been in a company for this long, but I've been dating buddy for this long, but I don't told shorty, she may be my wife, but I may, and you holding on to your plan and God forbid he looks at you like EJ when you, and has to ask you that, okay, if that's what you feel, then you go ahead and anoint somebody else who's going to do what I told them. God forbid, forbid you held on to your mother and father and your father and mother to the point that he can't get you away from them. Forbid that you don't let somebody say something to you to drive you somewhere you should have never been to the point that God can't even override that song and dance, that you don't even see the beauty in you because of what somebody said about you, that you can't see, even see your potential because of the way people have been putting you down. Like there's some things about you that God is like, I am fighting for you, but I'm not going to fight you for you. There's a huge difference. I'll fight a Jezebel. I'll fight a whoever's trying to come against you. The weapon may form, but it may not, it will not prosper. But there's a few things that I'm not doing. I am not going to override you for you. No, no, no. I can't force you to accept salvation. Just like I can't force you to accept my perfect plan for your life. You got to give me your yes and amen, says the Lord. You got to give that to him. Yeah, there's some things you have to do with your free will. God is not going to override and say, you know what? Let me just do, 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 reprogram this situation so I can get access. No, he's like, you don't want to give me the key? Cool. All right. I'll dust my feet on this particular property. I'll dust my feet on this particular plan that I have for you. And I will find someone else who wants to walk with me. God forbid that be you just because you don't know how to kiss your plan goodbye. 
You don't know how to look at your 12 oxen and say you served your purpose. Now you're getting ready to serve another one. You, you're getting ready to be food for the peoples, okay? Yeah, I'm getting ready to go ahead and slaughter this situation. Mom, Dad, I appreciate everything that you've done, but I got a bigger calling. And, um, you know, God bless you and everything that you've been doing. I can't worry about you and also work in my purpose. Something has to give. And so I want to go ahead and end with this. I'm going to kiss you so that I can continue to do what God has called me to do. How you remembered me, cool, but um, God is elevating me. You see what I'm saying? My challenge to you, what is it, be it plan, be it person, be it you, that is currently in your life that you are going to have to kiss goodbye so that you can walk authentically and freely in the updated plan that God has presented to you in your life? You're really, really, really going to have to make a choice. Choose a side. East Coast, West Coast beef. Call it what you want. But there comes a time that when somebody else said, you know what, God, you can't count on me, that he starts to look at you like, can I count on you? Like when he looked in the Bible and was, when the Bible says that he looked around and was trying to figure out who he can find favor with so he can go ahead and create a new second word, the Bible says that he found favor with Noah. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that he finds favor in your character. I pray that he finds favor in your mindset, favor in your perspective, favor to the point that he knows if I can't count on them, I can count on you. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, that nothing will distract you. Nothing will uphold you. Nothing will keep you stagnant when God says, hey, can I count on you? Can we go ahead and do something different? I know you planned on going ahead and probably getting a 14th oxen team, but there's some things I want to do to you and through you. And I feel like I can trust you. Can I? I pray that your only answer is yes. And that you don't feel this heart-wrenching, but what about my family? But what about my bills? But what about my children? But what about my, there should be no person or position that keeps you stagnant and low-key in disobedience when God calls you to greater. If he calls you for greater, there's nothing else to talk about. If he called you and updated the plan, there's nothing else to talk about. Once God calls your only answer should be, yes, Lord, period. Do you understand that? All right, listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. I do. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who, your favorite homegirl? Listen, all things created, the number two to multiply. It's the dot com for me. It's the YouTube for me. It's the Patreon with the text and blog and community for Strive, the letter N as a Nancy, Inspire. It's all the ways that I'm using my oil to just make sure that I have jars that never run dry. Period. The point blank. And that's just how it's going to be on that, right? All right. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later? Absolutely. Later. <laughs>